Welcome to Gospel Truth with Andrew Womack, a teaching ministry that focuses on God's unconditional love and grace. We have a better covenant upon better promises, and we have a better relationship with God. All these things we strive for and work for and hope for and pray for, we already have those things because Jesus gave it all to us. And now, here's Andrew. Welcome to our Thursday's broadcast of The Gospel Truth. Today I'm continuing to teach on living in the balance of grace and faith. This is a book that I've got out. This is a powerful book. The very first teaching that I ever put in book form, it was entitled just Grace and Faith back then. This is a kind of an updated, new, improved version, but it's the same teaching. It's the, one of the things that the Lord showed me, I don't know, 30, 35 years ago. And it has just become a foundation of everything I teach, that God by grace has already provided everything. And faith is not something we do to get God to move, but faith is our positive response to what we believe God has already done. Boy, that's big. When God showed that to me, I tell you, it made a huge difference in the way I began to relate to Him. And I can tell by the way that people pray and the way they come up to me with questions and comments that the average person doesn't understand this. The average person believes faith is what they must do in order to get God to do something. Hence, the statement that faith moves God. Faith doesn't move God. God moved before you ever needed Him to move. That's called grace. He's already made the provision. And all faith does is reach out and take what God has already provided. Boy, that's powerful. You know, yesterday I was talking about finances and I was trying to use this to illustrate because we need, our budget right now is over $3 million per month that I need just to pay my bills. And that doesn't include all of the construction that we're doing. We actually need around $5 million per month and we are increasing and moving in that direction. And so I need a lot of money. And did you know we give our materials away? We say that it's for a suggested donation of this and we put up what we would like people to give because we've had so many people ask us, what do you want for this? And so we have a suggested donation that over 50% of all of the people who contact us don't give a thing and we send the materials to them. And how do you do that? How do you bring in over $3 million a month giving your materials away? If you go to our website, we have, I forget the exact number, but it's around 400 of my teachings available as free downloads. We've got testimonies. We've got just nearly everything on the uh, website is free of charge. And we have over 1.7 million people per month download things free of charge. But did you know it costs a lot of money to keep that website going? We have to constantly be updating it. We've got multiple people that their salary is all dedicated towards this. How do you do things like this and give materials away and never pray and ask God to give you money? That's a statement I made yesterday that it's been decades since I've prayed and said, Oh God, I've got a need. Would you please do something? Would you please supply? And the reason I don't do that is because of this teaching on grace and faith. I have learned that whatever God tells me to do, 
before I ever have the need, He's already made the supply. And I don't need to get God to move and to do something. I have to believe that God has already supplied. Now, there is things I need to do. I need to pray and say, God, how are you supplying? Is there something you want me to do? And let me illustrate this by a personal testimony that when I first got started in ministry, Jamie and I went, I don't know, at least six years, maybe 10 years on the verge of starvation and just living from hand to mouth. It was disaster and, and near total destruction every single day. If I didn't get up and pray and really trust and believe God, we wouldn't eat that day. I mean, we struggled financially, and that is not an exaggeration. We went through hard times. And during that period of time, I prayed and asked God to supply and give me money all the time. I hadn't yet understood some of the principles that I'm teaching. But you know, in hindsight, looking back, here's the reason that I was struggling. It wasn't because God hadn't supplied and I needed to pray more and I needed to fast and I needed to do something to get God to move. There were things I was doing that were directly contrary to the guidance of the Lord. It wasn't intentional. But here was the real problem with me. I was taught, and I'm not going to blame this totally on somebody else, but it was taught this way and I received it and took it. But I was taught that if you were called into ministry, that it was a lack of faith and it was disobedience on your part if you worked a secular job. If God called you to the ministry, then you had to live full time of that ministry. And if you didn't, if you went out and worked a job to provide finances, that you were backslid on God, that you weren't trusting God. It was a lack of faith. Now that's not accurate, but that's what I was taught and that's what I believed. And so based on my belief system, I was only ministering in a little Bible study at first. Then I had a small church that had no more than 12 people in it. And during those years, I should have been out working a job. It wasn't because I, I don't like working. I work hard. Did you know when I'm at home, I've got 26 acres on my property and man, I'll work 10, 15 hours a day with no break and I work hard. And I enjoy splitting wood and cutting wood and doing things. I am not afraid of work, but I just thought that I would be uh, a lack of faith. I wouldn't be following God's leading if I went and worked a secular job. You know, in hindsight, I can look and see that Paul, he made tents to supplement his income, different places that he went. The scripture says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, I believe it's around verse 8 or verse 10, that if you don't work, you don't eat. And there were things like this, but I just... My thinking was that it was a lack of faith on my part. I was not following God and really trusting Him if I worked a secular job. And so because of it, I was hindering God's grace. God, by grace, was supplying our needs. And I mean, it really was the grace of God that kept us alive because we were ministering to just a few people, a handful of people, and they didn't have much money themselves. And it was the grace of God that kept us alive and kept us from starving. We would have the doorbell ring and I'd go and there would be food there and we couldn't see anybody. We would have money come in the mail, cash in the mail. And it was amazing that it got there. It was amazing that somebody would send it that way. And we just had miracle after miracle. We had God multiply our food miraculously. 
We had a lot of things happen. It was the grace of God that kept us alive, but we didn't have an abundance because I wasn't cooperating with things that are written in the Word. Let me turn over to this verse here in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Paul said, Do you not know that they which minister about holy things live of the things of the temple? This is talking about the priest. And the priest, when the food and the sacrifices and the showbread and those things were given, the priest, that was how they uh, got their living. They got this food in return for the service that they were doing. So, you know, there's a principle in the Word of God that if you don't work, you don't eat. Ministers don't work a secular job, but I guarantee you ministers work. You know, I, I'll be making television programs today for seven or eight hours or whatever. Then I've got meetings for two or three hours after that. So that's already up to at least 10 hours. And then I'll go home and I'll spend an hour or two answering emails, making decisions and stuff. And I work an average of probably 12 15 hours or sometimes many most of the time. Now, sometimes on the weekend I get off, but I'm saying I'd work. It's not like that if you're a minister, you aren't working. Ministers are on call 24 hours a day, especially pastors of churches and stuff. So anyway, my point is that ministry is work. It may not be a secular job where you're out there doing some kind of physical labor, but ministers are working and it's appropriate for ministers to receive the finances from the people that they minister to. Galatians chapter 6 says that. Over here in 1 Corinthians 9, uh, 13, I just read that verse 14. It says, Even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. And you know, this just, it makes it very clear that when you are preaching the gospel, you can live of the gospel. But I, it's not stated, but the Lord spoke this to me and finally got it through my thick skull that it's proportional to how many people you're reaching. If I was reaching five people in a Bible study, I can't expect to live full time off of five people. That is an undue burden upon those five people. Let's say that you know you need three or $4,000 a month in order to be able to uh, survive. And if you have five people and, and you have $4,000 a month, well, then that means that you need $800 from those um, five people per person. And you know what? That's a lot of money. And I just don't think that that is appropriate. And so when you are only ministering to a small handful of people, well, then you need to supplement it by doing something else. Because I wasn't doing that, my heart was right, but my head was wrong. We struggled financially. And I was always asking God, to meet my needs. Then the Lord showed me these truths that I've been sharing with you about grace and faith. And I've now realized that if I have a deficit of finances, it's not because God isn't giving. See, I learned this through this experience. I learned that God was blessing me, that God was giving to me, but my unbelief, my lack of cooperation with God. None of that was caused by maliciousness. It wasn't intentional, but it was just stupid. Man, stupid was stopping me from receiving the grace of God. But God was giving the whole time. It was like there was this huge dam that was built, that I had built up by my disobedience and by my ignorance and by my not cooperating with God. And God was giving, but all of the supply was held up by that. When I finally saw this, 
And I started working just, you know, part-time and doing things. God started supplying my needs supernaturally. And then as the ministry grew, you know, now we minister to over 3 billion people, potential through television. And then through our website and through our colleges and through our CDs and DVDs and on and on, we have multiplied millions and millions and millions of people that we minister to. And now, because of all of that, it's no big deal for me to receive $3 million plus per month in order to pay our bills. It's, it's reasonable. It's justifiable. I'm preaching the gospel, and those who preach the gospel should live with the gospel. I am reaching millions and millions of people, and so it's not hard to believe that millions and millions of people could supply $3 million a month. Now, see, I, that's obvious. And it's so simple that you wonder how people could miss that. But I missed it for a while. And because I've learned this now, see, there was the lack of God's supply in the beginning of our ministry wasn't because God hadn't supplied it. It wasn't because of a deficit of God's grace. It was because of my own performance. And so I've learned that now, even though it's the same principle, even though the numbers have changed and the... And the Figures are totally different. It's the exact same principle. If I run into a financial bind and if I don't see my needs being supplied, instead of going to God and saying, oh God, please move. Oh God, please give. Oh God, please touch somebody and you please respond to me. See, I don't do that. What I do is say, Father, there must be something I'm missing. There's, you've already supplied Either, here's the options. Either I've missed you on what you're telling me to do. I took a word and made a paragraph out of it and I'm making too big of a deal. I'm moving too far, too fast or something like that. That's always a consideration. And so I have to go back. God, am I really following you? Is this what you told me to do? And if it is, well, then I check that off the list. That's not it anymore. But if I still see a deficit in finances, well then God, maybe I'm doing what you told me to do, but am I doing it the way you told me to do it? Am I following you correctly? Is there something you want me to do? And on my program yesterday, I was mentioning about how I give and I sow into other people's building programs so that I can receive finances back into my building program. I give to the poor and people that are in need because when you give to the poor, you lend to the Lord and that which you've given, God will repay and I look at things like this and I just start examining, God, am I responding properly to you? I believe that your grace has already supplied the need, but that doesn't mean it's going to automatically manifest. Is there something I need to do to reach out and take advantage of this? Well, that's powerful. And this is just the way that I live my life. This teaching that we're talking about right here is something that I live every single day of my life. And as I face situations... I look at it and say, Father, I know that your supply is already there. I am not trying to get you to do something. Well, I think one of the reasons that so many people are in trouble today is because they don't have a clear word from God. They're doing their own thing and asking God to bless it. And I tell you, God is not going to bless and anoint something that is an Ishmael. You know, if you're familiar with Abraham's testimony... Ishmael was never God's will. This was Abraham's attempt to try and help God and help his plan along. And so he went and he had a child 
with somebody other than his wife, thinking that maybe this would be the promised seed. But no, it wasn't. And all Ishmael did was cause him problems and it eventually split the family. And today, the entire Arab-Israeli conflict that we see in our world is a result of that Ishmael, of something that he did outside of God, something that wasn't God's will. And I guarantee you, God would not give the inheritance to Ishmael, even though he was the firstborn, because that was not God's plan. That wasn't the one that God wanted to bless Abraham through. And likewise, there may be people watching this program that one of the reasons you aren't seeing the manifestation of your supply is because you're asking God to bless your thing. Did God tell you to do this? Is it God's leading that puts you into the position you're in? Or are you out there and struggling because you are doing your own thing and trying to get God to bless it? See, one of the things that I constantly evaluate anytime I come in to a financial need is I go back and say, God, am I doing what you told me to do? Am I doing it the way you told me to do it? Am I doing it in the timing that you told me to do it? There is such a thing as doing things at the right time. You can run ahead of God. You can run behind God. There's a lot of things involved. I'm not giving you all of the answers, but I'm putting down some principles here and just saying that God knows what your needs are before you do. He saw it hundreds, thousands of years ago. Everything, this scripture that I was using yesterday, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings. He's already done it. You don't need God to bless you. God anticipated whatever your need would be, and by grace, He has already blessed you. He has already made the supply. So you never have to go and get God to heal you, get God to bless you, get God to direct you, get God to come up with some plan for your life. It's already been planned. God's plans and everything are already settled. Grace is a static thing. It's already done. You do not have to get God to do something to give you grace. It's already there. And if you aren't seeing the grace, the power, and the supply of God manifest in your life, it's not God who hasn't given. It has to be a fault somewhere on our part. Now, this needs a little bit more explanation than that. I had not got time to go into all of that, but sometimes other people are involved in our prosperity or in our, uh, you know, fulfilling God's will. And you may have to wait on some other people, and there may be some things, but... Technically, it's never God that you're waiting on. God has already supplied everything. God is waiting on us. You know, let me make just one other application before we run out of time on today's program. But the way that people pray for revival today is a total violation of this teaching and this understanding of grace and faith. People think that God is sitting in heaven with His arms folded and He could just pour out His Spirit People could be turned on to Him. This ungodliness could be stopped. Everybody could be seeking God. And it's just totally up to God. And for whatever reason, God isn't motivated to pour out His Spirit. And so it is dependent upon us, the intercessors, to pray and to bombard heaven and say, Oh God, repent. Oh God, turn. Oh God, move. And we are begging God to do something and he won't listen to just one person, so we've got to get 100,000 or even a million people or we've got to have mass 
uh, people turning to the Lord and repenting and begging for revival. I believe that that is the opposite, the opposite of what's going on. I believe instead of God sitting in heaven with his arms folded, ticked off, mad, like I'm not going to move until you grovel in the dirt, until you repent some more. No, I believe God has his arms out. He is wanting to bless us. God wants to move more than we want him to move. It is not God who lacks motivation, who lacks power, who is upset, who is withdrawn. I will admit that we need revival. We need people turning to the Lord. But God is not the one who's holding it back. It's us. It is us in our prayer closet. We are praying and begging God to move when the truth is he told us to go and these signs would follow us. He told us to take our authority and you go out and heal the sick and cleanse the lepers and raise the dead. If you started doing those things, if we just believed that God had already provided, if we found out who we are and what we have in Christ and took our authority and went out and started operating in the supernatural power of God, I can promise you, you go see a person raised from the dead and you'll have all of the revival that you can handle. You start seeing blind eyes open, deaf ears open. You start seeing the supernatural power of God operate, which is not dependent on whether God gives. It's dependent on us receiving and believing. And if you started flowing in the supernatural power of God, you'd have all of the revival that you could handle. But see again, the whole prayer for revival, the way that the church is approaching it, is that God can do anything, but He has done nothing and we've got to beseech Him. We've got to beg. We've got to plead. We've got to get hundreds of thousands of people to put more pressure on God and in a sense just squeeze these things out of God. Man, it's exactly the opposite. God loves us. God wants people to be turned unto Him, but He said that He has chosen through the foolishness of preaching to save those that lost. He said, how can they believe except they hear? How can they hear unless somebody preached to them? How can they preach except they be sent? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. The reason we aren't seeing more people turned on to the Lord is because people, Christians, aren't standing up and preaching the truth. They are praying for people to be saved. The Bible doesn't say you're saved by prayer. You're saved by the Word of God. 1 Peter 1, 23, I believe it is. You're born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed by the Word of God that lives and abides forever. You know the truth, and the truth will make you free. John 8, 32. John 17, 17, thy word is truth. The reason people aren't being saved, the reason our nation is going in an ungodly direction is because Christians have been cowed into fear and they are afraid to say anything that's not politically correct. The spirit of Antichrist is dominating and that's because we aren't doing our part. Not because God's grace hasn't provided it. Not because God doesn't want our nation to go in a different direction. It's because we aren't responding to God properly. We're praying and asking God to respond to us. We should be responding to Him in faith. The reason I do what I do is twofold. First of all, God just transformed my life. And it's just like the guy that the Lord told him, he says, don't go tell anybody about what's happened to your daughter. And he, man, couldn't keep it quiet. When you get God touching you, you just want to tell somebody. You got this good news you want to tell people. But beyond that, I believe God's got a specific call on my life. And I mean, God has encouraged me thousands of times. 
And on November the 4th, 2014, he woke me up at three o'clock in the morning and he said, this is the reason that I've raised you up is to change people's opinion of me. And as their opinion of me changes, then they in turn will go change their world. Our partners are essential to everything we do. 53% of the people who write us and contact us don't give a thing, and we send them the material. And the reason that I give my tapes away is because back in the beginning of our ministry when we were in Seagoville, Texas, pastoring our first little church, I just made a promise. I said, God, if you ever show me something that could change another person's life, I'll never deny them access to it because of finances. The initial response that I get from people who come in contact with our ministry is that they just see God in a total different light than they've ever seen Him. That causes them to respond to God. The whole motive behind Charis is 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, where Paul said, Be strong in the grace that's in the Lord Jesus, and the things that you have heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men and women who will be able to teach others also. That's been my whole thrust. And when I started Charis Bible College, it was because I could see that it was a way of fulfilling those verses. Through Charis, we go deeper with people than I can do on television or through a book or through a CD or anything like that. And so what we hope to accomplish is to make disciples. And it's already happening. We've got people on every continent of the world that are reaching people. And through them, we are making an impact that I could never do. God has a perfect plan for every person. God's plans are always better than your plans. If you're in the kingdom of God, then be in the kingdom of God. God has declared you to be righteous. This is training for reigning. I will come out victorious. Listen, guys, the cross of Christ is the power of God that's going to change people's lives. It's the message of the gospel. We need to tell people the good news. We need to tell people about what Jesus has done. I tell you, this is not what you're going to hear very often. Glory to God! Hallelujah! If you do it the way the Word of God says, it produces freedom, period. You never know what's going to happen when you come to Summer Family Bible Conference. Uh, man, this is awesome. You can't miss it. Money back guarantee. I would really like to encourage you to get this teaching on living in the balance of grace and faith. I think this really just summarizes the position that God has given me in the body of Christ. It seems like you have people that are either into faith or into grace, but very seldom are the two combined, and this teaching would transform your life. I've got a book in English. I've got one in Spanish. We have a study guide here that is the same material. It's just reformatted so that you can disciple other people. You can print out the questions in here. And then we have a CD set of this exact same teaching. And then I have two different DVDs to offer you. One that was taken from our television program and the other one was taken live from one of my uh, meetings that I've held. So please listen to our announcer, respond today, and get this material on living in the balance of grace and faith.
Andrew's teaching titled, Living in the Balance of Grace and Faith, is available as a live teaching on either CD or DVD, or in a DVD set as seen on TV. You can also get this teaching as a book or study guide in either English or Spanish. Also, today's individual audio CD is available for a gift of any amount when you write or call. We encourage everyone to give, but if you're simply unable to afford it, Andrew and his partners will provide today's teaching free of charge. You can order resources through our website at awmi.net. 